Vox Quick Hits. Law enforcement looked atrocious in America this week, and I'm pretty sure it looks so bad that that's an objective statement. Last night, Chicago police released video footage of an officer shooting Adam Toledo in the chest, ending his life. Adam Toledo's empty hands were up when he was shot. He was 13 years old. This comes just a few days after the shooting of Dante Wright in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. Officer Kim Potter killed Wright when she pulled out her service weapon and opened fire. Apparently, she meant to pull out her taser. Brooklyn Center is a suburb of Minneapolis just 10 miles away from where the trial of Derek Chauvin is being held. The entire world awaits the verdict, and the Twin Cities are on edge. John Collins has been covering the trial for Minnesota Public Radio. So, I mean, you walk down the street here, and for months and months, there have been George Floyd signs and windows. There's still murals up all over the cities of George Floyd. And then downtown Minneapolis, where the court proceedings are taking place, it looks way different than it's ever looked. It's got high fences up everywhere. There's barbed wire. There are concrete barriers, especially around government buildings. And even some major streets are blocked off. That's all due to the trial. Let's talk about the trial. Chauvin's charged with second-degree unintentional murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. Are all of these charges ways of saying he didn't intend to kill George Floyd? Those are unintentional. These three are all slightly different, but they all say that he took some sort of action that resulted in taking George Floyd's life, and they vary in the details, and that's what jurors are going to need to parse to decide whether they convict him of zero charges, one charges, all three charges. Prosecutors made the decision that the evidence that they had didn't show that he intended to kill him, necessarily. And this is the decision that they have to make, is will jurors buy their arguments? And in this case, they they just decided that the best way to for them to get guilty verdicts is the unintentional rather than having to actually prove that he intended to murder George Floyd too, which would be a much higher ask of jurors. The defense wrapped up its arguments just yesterday. Before we talk about their side, let's talk about the arguments that the prosecution made. What were they telling the jury? So the prosecution has the burden of proof, of proving that Derek Chauvin is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So they have the bigger job here. And typically legal experts will say that prosecution has to choose one major argument and stick to that argument. And so what they've been arguing here essentially is that Derek Chauvin, by kneeling on George Floyd's neck and restraining him in a prone position, stopped him from breathing and led to his death after nine minutes and 29 seconds of kneeling on his neck. How have they been making it? They called dozens of witnesses. They started out by calling bystanders. It's been nights. I stayed up apologizing and and apologizing to George Floyd for not doing more and not physically interacting and not saving his life. 
Following the bystanders, the prosecution moved into calling Minneapolis police officers, including Chief Madeira Arredondo and other leadership, to say, Once there was no longer any resistance, and clearly when Mr. Floyd was no longer responsive and even motionless, to continue to apply that level of force to a person proned out, handcuffed behind their back, that in no way, shape, or form is anything that um, uh, is by policy, is not part of our training, and it is certainly not part of our ethics or our values. They then led into calling use of force experts. Because at the time of the restraint period, Mr. Floyd was not resisting. He was in the, in the prone position. Um, he, he was handcuffed. He was not attempting to uh, evade. He was not attempting to resist. And the pressure um, that he was that was being caused by the body weight uh, would uh, could cause positional asphyxia, which could cause death. And then after that, they moved into medical testimony because George Floyd had some small amounts of drugs in his system, according to toxicology. Mr. Floyd's use of fentanyl did not cause the subdual or neck restraint. His heart disease did not cause the, um, the subdual or the neck restraint. And so the medical testimony wanted to show that even though he had these things, that on May 25th, if he had not been detained and restrained on the ground like that for so long, that he would still have been walking around that night with heart disease, but that the restraint and the way he was restrained were the actual causes of his death. And the medical testimony is particularly important because of what the defense is saying. Tell me what exactly they're arguing. The first argument is, of course, that Floyd died of either the fentanyl in his system or his heart disease or some combination, but that essentially it wasn't due to the restraint of the police officers. Their second argument is that the bystanders on the scene were a threat to the police officers who were detaining Floyd. Their third argument is that Chauvin by restraining Floyd in a prone position, was just acting like he was supposed to act because that's how he'd been trained. Hmm. Tough sell considering you got the police chief in there testifying that Chauvin's kneeling on Floyd's neck was not only in violation of training and policies, but also ethics and values. But I guess all that matters is what the jury thinks. What do we know about the jury? Well, so the jury's names are being kept secret until sometime after the trial. We haven't, and except for those of us who have been in the courtroom, and that's limited due to COVID, seen their faces. But what we do know is that it's relatively racially diverse for Hennepin County here. It's more diverse than the county itself. And the jury is a mix of three people who identify as Black men, one Black woman, and two women who identify as multiracial. So that's like about half the jury is people of color. So there's also the question of how that impacts the eventual verdict and, you know, whether their experiences that maybe they had with police or their relatives did affect the outcome of 
that they come to when they decide on these charges. Okay, so closing arguments on Monday, and then they'll go to a hotel where they'll be sequestered until they can come to some sort of consensus. This feels like one of those moments like OJ or Rodney King where the entire world will be watching for this verdict. But tell me how it feels in in Minneapolis, in the Twin Cities, in Minnesota. Where does this leave all of the conversations around police reform there? I think it adds some fuel to it, actually. And there are efforts at the state legislature to pass you know, a whole slate of reforms or changes to policing in the entire state of Minnesota. So not only would those affect Minneapolis and give Minneapolis more possibility of affecting actual change and culture change in the police department through actually enforcing policies and making sure that officers who violate policies are disciplined and eventually fired rather than kept on the force. But it allows departments all over the state to start to adjust and start to change. And it's unclear if that's going to make progress in the Republican-controlled Senate, but there's a lot of pressure. And Dante Wright's killing has once again brought this to the fore. And I don't think it's going away. And I do think that the people who are dedicated to advocating for these changes to policies are not going away and they're not going to be quiet, especially as we are going to have in Minnesota, once again, if this does go to trial with Kim Potter, another stretched out really long amount of time where this is in the forefront of people's minds. So there's going to be a lot of possibilities for people to try to enforce the the changes that they've been talking about wanting to make. That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcasts.